You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. Of course, you can send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. And my friend Sam, Sam Rosenberg, is back. That means I was nice last time. And we're going to talk charity, we're going to talk platforms, and we're going to talk lots about current events. First, Sam, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Excellent. So the hol- one of my favorite holidays is coming. Do you know which holiday is right around the corner? Purim. Purim is around the corner. And Purim, there's four aspects to, the, to Purim. There's, we talk about the story, how the Jewish people were saved. This is really in Iran, but it was really the whole world was uh, owned, was ruled by Ahasuerus, and the Jewish people were saved. We have parties, we get together, we eat, um, and we send like care packages, which we'll talk about. We send food packages to friends, and we never like to say most important, but charity is a major focus. Um, we call it matanos levionim. We give poor people. Um, it's a, it's a it's an integral part of the holiday that we give charity to people in need, specifically to be used. The day of Purim. So, and I see you writing lots of notes. I'm going to interrupt you anyways. But, you know, I get, we, we, we won the war, we relaxed, we celebrated, we send our neighbors and our friends uh, food packages to share, to be friendly, to the, that, that love amongst each other. Charity is nice, right? We do charity year-round. But if I asked you, Sam, why do you think, and it's really all holidays, by the way, why is charity an integral part of a of a Jewish holiday. What would you say? To spread the joy, you give you help others to bring them up to your own level. Uh, if you can afford other helping others, you should. This way, you have others to celebrate with. In my opinion. Okay, good. No, it, first of all, this becomes one of those questions where it's a it's a feeling type question, and you said. You said whatever you said was going to be good, but I wanted to hear what you said. No, I'm, I'm really serious about this. In other words, it, it's hard to say that I'm happy when somebody else is suffering, at least if I open my eyes, right? In other words, to know that somebody is suffering, then how am I enjoying my meal? How am I enjoying my family? I'm sitting in the comfort of home, and at least I have to think about it. Sometimes we have to tell people to think about it. But if somebody else is suffering, then I can't be happy. So again, to the best of my ability, I know we're here and it's safe and it's comfortable and it's good for at least us. But to not even be cognizant that other people are suffering, that's horrible. So therefore, part of the simcha, the joy of Purim must have charity involved. That's my take. I'm sure there's lots of other answers. That way I got to talk about Purim. But what, I, what we're going to start with is that we talked, I don't know, probably six weeks ago, that you actually have a charity platform 
called Share Detroit. It's really at www.sharedetroit.org. So first things first, why did you create this platform? We'll talk about how the platform works, why people should go to the platform, what it does. It's got multiple parts. It's easy to follow. I checked it out. If it's easy for me, it works. But why did you make this platform? So the given community, first of all, it's what we call community engagement platform. Okay, good. It allows community to engage in the acts of doing good. And in simple terms, I call it sort of like a dating site. It matches organizations to do good with people who want to help by, by helping them. And we match them based on their personal interests, uh, convictions, uh, at times traditional values. Um, so if you think that the world is unfair to pets, there's plenty of uh, humane society type of organizations. And I think what we're also creating is an equal, uh, equal playing field for the small micro-charities, which I have personal passion for because I think that most of the social good is done on volunteer on the micro-charity level. It's where the community gets together and puts together a lunch program for kids coming after school before uh, their parents get home so they're not unattended. Uh, breakfast programs, the same thing uh, for homeless pets, for uh, kids uh, kicking cancer, for example, is one of the organizations in our platform that really helps kids in the terrible environment. It, it, we have so many, two, 280 plus organizations right now on the platform that most people in this community would never be able to have exposure to. And we allow those small charities for whom a gift of $20 is meaningful or volunteer to help for two hours is meaningful. Or if you want to think that everyone deserves to have clean sheets, you can go on the Amazon wish list and provide clean sheets for that organization. So we find many different ways for people to help to their ability, and I think most likely the ability to help that reflects their values um, and reflect on the grassroots level, which is the most, exp the most influential level to truly do good. Okay, so that is a that is a great overview to what happens. So just to to clarify, if I am a major charity and I'm raising um, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, are they on your platform? Would you accept them on your platform? Our platform, Sure Detroit platform, is specifically designed for those organizations that benefit the Detroit metro community. So large organizations that focus on Detroit metro community are welcome on our platform. And we do have real large ones. I don't know. Uh, I would venture to say, I, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what the largest organization is. But decent-sized organizations like the Friendship Circle, they're on right. our platform. Uh, Forgotten Harvest, which is you know, right. a good-sized organization, they're on our platform. Because the benefit is in the Detroit metro community. So I'm a person that I want to give some type of charity. I have $50 in my pocket, and I say I need to do something good with it. So I go onto your webpage, and what's going what's gonna to hit me when I open it up at sharedetroit.org? You will be faced with uh, mm -hmm. a random selection of a charity, potentially. 
but also it will tell you what we do, how many charities actually require help, how many charities are on the platform, uh, how many charities are looking for volunteers, and how many volunteer engagements are there available to you, and also how many different charities are looking for products to support, to help. There it will also tell you about different events and, and, and uh, uh, programs that are going on that you can participate and support or just uh, be aware of. Uh, on the left-hand side of the screen, there are different causes that you can pick. You have to click Find, and on the left side of the screen, you can find a cause, veterans, uh, homeless children, uh, cancer, uh, those type of things. Uh, community, uh, we're bringing right now that you can look by zip code if you wanted to, but it's not available yet. Um, and based on that, you can select which, who and how you want to help. You'll be presented in a random order, so we're not alphabetizing or anything like that. Uh, charities that pro that provide support to your particular interest cause. Oh, so that's cool. So it's random. So uh, you sort of, again, you said earlier, you want to level the playing field. So all these different charities that are there, so just because I went on today and I found ABC first, but who knows what will be first next time I, I click on. Oh, so that's very fascinating. Do you have a clue or do you have a way to monitor how much for example, how many volunteer hours? Would you know how many volunteer hours have been pledged over the entire platform? We do only on the first instance because once we, so we're not a, a, a talent agency where we maintain the relationship after. What, all we do is we, sort of like a dating site. All you know is that how many times somebody emails someone, but if once they start calling and develop a relationship, we don't, don't, we don't know where it goes. Uh, so we know how many unique engagements, but we don't know what those engagements will turn into. We do survey our uh, nonprofit partic charity participants on a regular basis, and we ask, what kind of benefit did you get out of the platform? And we ask him to define it as immediate benefit, so the first donation, the first hour of volunteering, and what is the ongoing? Is there somebody that's continuing to donate, continuing to volunteer, and things like that? But it's not very accurate, I would say. Yeah, it's all self-reporting. And the people involved, are, they, are you feeling that it's working, that it's, it, it needs to gain traction? We or? know it's working. It's not a feeling. We know it's working because the social good and the way, we, the way we're trying to evaluate how effective we are is I know what it costs me to run this platform. It, my friend and I, we're the only two funders right now. We fund this platform. We have three full-time equivalent people working at it. We have a cost of a platform, marketing, everything else. And it's costing us roughly a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. It's going to be a lot more the next year because of the marketing efforts, most likely. I know that we're bringing more than 200 some thousand dollars of benefit, social benefit to the community. Uh, last year, we think we brought in roughly a million dollars worth of social good to the community. That's a five times multiplier. Yeah, that's a, that's a good return on investment. And that's a couple of thousand dollars, a couple of thousand of volunteer hours that we've generated. You know, average value of a volunteer hour right now is twenty-two or twenty-three dollars or something like that. And I think what we're doing is actually we're increasing the per hour value of those volunteer hours, because if you want to volunteer at a food pantry packing boxes, it's a wonderful mission but you're volunteering at a manual labor type of work. But if you're an accountant and some nonprofit needs an audit done and they need preparations, 
your services are a lot more valuable being an accountant or a dental clinic, being a dentist, or something of that nature. So that's one of the things we do have we do offer is a more accurate match where we can maximize or at least increase the value of your volunteer dollar by closer matching it to your best what you're best at. And so in other words, when I go onto the platform and I'm I'm an accountant, I'm a lawyer, I'm a banker, whatever my skill set is, I'm a writer um, I can look for, you know, it's the charity will say, we need someone to help us with accounting. We need someone to help us with our computer systems. We need somebody to help us with our IT. And then they get directed, or at least have ideas of what to do with their talents. Correct. So I personally, as you can see, I'm not very eloquent. I'm a foreigner, for God's sake. But I needed somebody to do, be my copy guy person, somebody that can proofread for me and figure it out whether other people can understand what I wrote. And uh, I put a volunteer application, and the person volunteered, and now they're helping me write my stuff. So, you know. Amazing. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. What an amazing, great idea. Who, who came up with the idea? The idea was actually born uh, out of happenstance. About a dozen years ago in Charlotte, uh, uh, a friend of mine who is currently still involved, Paul Vlasic, and it's just he and I are the, the, funder, the founders, invested in the actually underlying platform, the, 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 the software that runs the system. And over years, Share Charlotte, over the last 12 years, picked up and built and built the organization there. Uh, Share Omaha uh, was the second city on it. They also got involved. They also invested into building the software, and they became Share Omaha. Detroit was involved for a couple of years just to build it. And uh, last year, we decided that we're going to go full board on it, and we registered the corporation, nonprofit corporation, in the state of Michigan. We were fully vetted to 501c3. Uh, our first fiscal year is 2020. 2021, February, is when we launched the website. And uh, now we're one year and one month in. We're 280-plus nonprofits uh, on board. We've been in every major newspaper, on the radio, and we're, and we're creating value. We have testimonials from virtually everyone on the platform. Uh, no one regrets it. It's completely fee free. There's no fees anywhere on the platform for anything we do to, with the nonprofits. Um, so far, it's been tremendous success. Uh, I, you know, I guess you can always be bigger. You can always have more engagements. You can always have better statistics. But our statistics are sufficient enough to know that we're generating true social good. Wow. So how many, I didn't realize it that way, how many share somethingcity.orgs are there? Seven. There's seven. So yeah. there's Charlotte, Omaha, Detroit. Um, there's two in the East Coast. I'm terrible with names. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah, there's two in the, the East Coast. There's one in Ohio, I believe. There's seven total. So if a city wanted to do it, they would contact? It, in fact, some of them are ran by United Way. The one in the oh, East Coast are United Way supported. This. Initially, we thought, frankly, we should go to the Michigan Community Foundation of Southeast Michigan because they seem to have a similar mission, uh, but uh, that didn't go anywhere, politics. Um, so we did it ourselves. Uh, but there's many different ways. You would go to sharegood.org. Uh, Sharegood is the umbrella. It's run out of Omaha by Walter and Suzanne Scott Foundation. It's a large foundation out of Omaha. Uh, they actually own the platform. It's also a nonprofit. And uh, 
you know, you get a licensing deal and then you get on the platform and everybody talks and shares best practices. Wow, amazing. Now, you even keep mentioning, which we're going to get more into, if not now, soon, um, there's even a Share Ukraine? Yes. So, obviously, for the last couple of years, I've been engaged in trying to get Share Detroit to go because uh, Detroit certainly is a market that's, you ask the question and every answer that. Uh, it's a market that really needs help for small charities. It's a, it's a maturing market. It's a market that's very uh, has both huge charities and it's got very small charities. And w- we wanted to help Detroit. Um, we were here. We lived here. It's our community. Uh, there was a lot of good opportunities, especially with the downtown revival and everything else. So we wanted to do what's right. Uh, certainly, the events, the current events, didn't. Uh, uh, help us. Uh, so, I'm personally from Ukraine. I was born in Ukraine. I was born in Western Ukraine, the city of Lviv. Um, and uh, I'm Jew. I'm Jewish, obviously. And uh, I, I was um, over the last several years, so several years, six years. I, I gained a new affinity for Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine certainly has a very mixed past as it comes to Ukrainians, uh, to Jews. In fact, uh, you know, how fitting, uh, the first note I wrote today was the, the, the theme tune from Fiddler on the Roof. Well, obviously, we all know, all listeners are, are fully aware that Fiddler on the Roof was filled in Ukraine at the turn of the 20th century. There are the times of pogroms. So not a, not a bright light in, the, in, the, in our Jewish-Ukrainian history. But on the other hand, ask yourself a question. Why were there so many Jews in Ukraine at that time? Ukraine, Jews in Ukraine, despite of all the darkness, had the most flourishing period of, of our, you know, our Jewish renaissance, if you want to use the term. And I'm a secular Jew. I'm not an you know, observant Orthodox or anything. But if it wasn't for Ukraine, it's hard to tell what kind of Jews we would be today. The Orthodox community is what maintained our Judaism. Uh, secular Judaism blends right in into any nation. Our unique identity, I think, is very much maintained by our faith, regardless whether how little or much of that faith we have. And much of it was born or raised or matured or whatever positive term you want to use in Ukraine. And certainly World War II put a crank crank into it, along with many other events since then. Soviet Union did not help it. Continued uh, anti-Semitism, racism. I was physically abused and uh, humiliated as a kid in Ukraine. I never thought I would feel positive about Ukraine again. When I came to America, I fell into a Ukrainian community, and it opened up my eyes that what we feel is anti-Semitism is a, it's a dark side of nationalism. You know, nationalism from Ukrainian side has a lot of positive qualities, but certainly has negative effect on people at the facts that are minorities, Jews, us being one of them. I think countries need to come to that census, nations, not even countries, and, 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 and figure out how to deal with it. And I think in the last 30 years, and I've been to Ukraine six times, once with all my family and my kids, I've seen tremendous amount of improvement. I talk to rabbis there. I ask if there's anti-Semitism. Yeah, they say, it's nothing. You know, there's drunk kids occasionally do something stupid. But the, the Jewish community in, in Ukraine, no one said that they were afraid to work on the street with a kippah on or go to a store or anything like that. 
certainly there were cases of stupidity. It wasn't even anti-Semitism because if you ask the person doing it, they didn't even know what the heck they were doing. They were just being stupid and they were just following some idea. And it came to a point that in 2019, both 70 plus percent of Ukrainians voted for a Jewish president. Right. No other country besides Israel in the world ever has done that. I ask people, when was the last time you heard of a Ukrainian synagogue being shut up or firebombed or anything like that? And then it's in Pittsburgh. It's not in Ukraine. And now a war started. And I see the Jewish community helping Jews in Ukraine. What a wonderful thing. But where's the outcry of the Jewish community on Ukrainians? Not Jewish Ukrainians, but just Ukrainians. It's there. It's there. But it's no more than, than Hurricane Katrina or something of that nature. So me as being both a Jew and a Ukrainian, and very proud of being both of them, I'm doing everything in my power to do it to help. So Share Ukraine was my idea to leverage what tools I already had, which is the Share Detroit platform, and quickly crank up another charity, Share Ukraine, and I can leverage my own connections, family members, my friends on the ground in Ukraine to make sure that I know that whatever donations we're making, they're doing good. So one of the things that Share Detroit does, we vet the charities that are on board. We make sure that the micro-charities get the same scrutiny that the big charities get through GuideStar, through charity navigators, and those things. But if a charity is under a million dollars, all you do, you get a listing. You can be a legitimate, do-good charity, or you can be abusing the system. We make sure that those charities on our platform are actually doing good by visiting them, by talking to their constituents, people they help, and just following them, frankly, just communicating with them. And we're doing the same thing with Ukraine. Uh, yeah, but you have the time now. Like Now there's like the pressure. Everybody wants to get stuff out there. You have the time to... Since, since all this started, I haven't slept, pretty <laughs> much. I, I, I spent... Uh, I'm fortunate enough to where my business allows me to uh, put all my time and effort into doing this. I, I write stories, I, uh, I connect people because I'm heavily invested into a Ukrainian community in Detroit and Jewish community in Detroit. I am trying to put JCRC in contact with the Ukrainian uh, community here, and we're fortunate we have a 40,000-person Ukrainian community in Detroit, Warren, Michigan. Uh, we've that, uh, and, and I'm home at both. So I'm trying to be that bridge to bring the skill sets, the, 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 the money, the experience. It, it was funny, on one of our conference calls, uh, one of the Ukrainian le community leaders uh, asked Rabbi Lepatin, he says, uh, I don't know how to say this, but everyone in the community says that the Jewish community really knows how to do it. And unfortunately, it's probably for bad reasons. We certainly have to do it to help Israel t so much. But we know how to raise not just money, but awareness, uh, public support, political action, all that other stuff. So I feel that by bringing the communities together, and not just for this period, to help with the humanitarian effort in Ukraine and to help raise public awareness about how important peace is, 
Yeah. We're going to wrap it up and we'll start again. We're, we're making sure that when the reconstruction of Ukraine begins, we want to be the, uh, uh, right there hand in hand with the Ukrainians rebuilding the country and not allow Ukraine to fall back into this prehist- you know, history of, the, of, of nationalism, i.e. anti-Semitism. Yeah, that is really fascinating. I mean, you talked about so many things, and we're almost done with our first segment, but you're going to stick around because we have too much to talk about to uh, let you go. We can't let go so fast. But I, I do find it fascinating, and I wonder if you even know the reason. We probably won't have time to get through it now. But why do you think that Ukraine does not have the anti-Semitism that you talked about, even though they may have had it you know, earlier in the century, certainly in the 40s, um, which they don't have now, while in America you look at it and you say there definitely is a, a real anti-Semitism out there. Did you ever figure out why or think why that should be? I think every country on its way up tends to treat people better than on its way down. Ukraine was on its way up. I'm not here to say which Ameri- which direction America is headed. <laughs> right. Um, I love America. I, I spent 20 years in the armed services here, so. So we're gonna we're gonna hold that thought, because the music is playing, and I hope you enjoyed everything Sam had to say. And of course, we keep it short and sweet. You got to check out ShareDetroit.org. Thank you, of course, for the sponsor. Listener, I can't do without you. Thank you again to my wonderful production team. We have David Cisco and Andy in the back. I have ever listened food for thought. Until next time. And come back, because we're going to be joined by Sam again. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobs, and you've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build, every room.